Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 195 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. I'm your host this week. I am Jason Evans. We are coming to you on a bright and early Thursday morning. Uh, it's It's been a tough week here <laughs> for Duke fans. We took a, a pretty dispiriting loss to Wake Forest the other day. Before we get into that, um, I will bring in my uh, my partners in crime uh, in Washington, D.C., Donald Wine. Donald, how are you feeling today? Tired. And that's how we played on Tuesday night. And that's why we are now looking up at the number one spot in the standings. And Sam Klein's in Durham, North Carolina. How was campus Tuesday night, Sam? <laughs> well, it was the last day of classes for Fuqua because we operate on a quarter system. And everyone was supposed to go out that night. and I was home watching the game and then I didn't leave my apartment. So yeah, that, yeah. But that last night, right. last night I recovered, last night I recovered, I went bowling and uh, went in one game, I bowled a 167. So that's pretty good. And I hadn't picked up that's a bowling bad, ball. And like I hadn't picked up a bowling ball in like six years. So um, then I had a few more Coors Lights and then I didn't bowl any more 167s. There you go. Well, that's that. <laughs> that's what I have to say oh. about that. Yeah. Uh, 167, I think that's about how many points Wake Forest scored against Duke in overtime. I, I, I may be a little bit off about that. Uh, hey, folks. Look at, by look the way, at this guy making transitions. That was <laughs> that <go>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh I'm glad we're having a good time. The Blue Devils did not have a good time on Tuesday night. They lost to the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Um, the final score was 113 to 101. I said that correct, 113 points. I believe I read that it, it was either the most or tied for the most points ever allowed by a Coach K coach team. Um, I wow. have a very important I have a very important clarifying question. Please, uh, yes. Does Duke's 101 points in that game count towards the stats game? Yes. And give me a reason why it would not. The, the question was how many times? Always, how many times? Wait, how many times will Duke score a hundred points in a game this season? I believe that Duke scored more than a hundred points in that game. Right. I just I I, I always figured that the Sam, spirit. Of Sam, the, you lose. I always figured you that lose. It, it's in violation <laughs> of the spirit of the question because we really just assume that Duke is going to score a hundred points and wins. But I suppose that didn't happen on Tuesday. No, no, it did All not. Right. Um, so, uh, like I said, Wake Forest beat Duke 113 to 101. It was a game where even though Duke had a lead late, we, oh God, we, we gave up a double digit lead with a minute and a half to go. Um, but even at that point, it wasn't like you felt like Duke was playing really well. Um, uh, Donald, I'll go to you first. Uh, what, what, what the hell happened, man? <laughs> um, well, like I said, we played tired. We played like a team that had played the day before. Uh, when we're on the road, it seems like we don't get that extra boost that we get when we're home in Cameron. Obviously, the Cameron Crazies, you know, some people say they add, you know, three to four points to a game on the scoreline. And, and that seemed to be true, especially the first 15 minutes of the first half. We looked out of it. And against Wake, a team who had come in only winning four games in the ACC, they looked like the better team. It wasn't until we Coach K went to his depth and brought in Justin Robinson. Yes, Justin Robinson was the hero of the first half and even the second half of this game. And he was the spark that got us back 
And then even in the second half, when he started the second half, we went out to like a nine, 10 point lead. Hey, and- hey, re- re- hey really quick on J-Rob. I, I got to ask both of you guys, how sure were you? He takes that three pointer in the, uh, I think it was in the first, it was in the first overtime. It, w- it would have been a game winning shot. Uh, he airballed it. But how I was certain that was going in, weren't you? I was like, "This is I was, Justin Robinson's game." I was sure it was. I going was the in. That is terrible. I was sure. I was sure he was missing it because he was shooting a three in like a pressure situation we've never done before. I yeah, I, I, I didn't sure think he was, he was going in, but I was going to give him a pass for it, and I I gave him a pass for oh, it. Oh, I'm because, not blaming him. Let's be real clear. Yeah, there are forces <laughs> to blame for Duke's. Uh, for that abysmal loss, Justin Robinson is not among those forces. That is the that, only thing he did poorly on Tuesday night. That Justin Robinson was open for a three-pointer in overtime is is more of an indictment of the rest of the team than it is for him for missing the shot. Well yeah. stated, sir. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank is, you. Is but, this the is this the portion of the podcast? Sorry, Donald. I I tossed it to Donald. Donald gets to say five words, and then we all start talking. Um, is this the portion of the podcast where we get to talk about the fact that everyone over six foot four for Duke had fouled out? I was going to get to that. I was saying yeah, he re- had a great game. It reminded me. Of, it ahead. reminded me of the UConn. No, go ahead, Jason. Go ahead. Yeah. Just <laughs> just keep talking. It reminded me of the UConn game in two thousand five. Four, 2004, Jason, said. you're getting old. The 2004 UConn game where – Why are you where, bringing up old shit? Huh? Why do we have that to – That was the last game. Why, talk, why we have to go back to 2004, huh? <laughs> We're having we a bad idea. Why do we have to talk about this? Oh, we had shit. plenty of games before that or after that that you could have talked about. You had to go back to 2004. What's up? Like, Jason, what? do you, Jason, do you, you want to like do me, do you? <laughs> Jason, do you want to rehash the 1994 national championship game that neither Donald nor I remember? I remember that game. Not everyone fouled out of that game. Hey, (laughs) hey, that game is Tony Lang's fingertips. Tony Lang, if he doesn't trim his nails, he blocks Scotty. It was Scotty. (laughs) He blocks Scotty Thurman's shot. And Grant Hill goes out with another national title. Let's come back. Let's let's come back to the present. Donald, continue. I apologize for (laughs) what I have done. (laughs) I'm glad we are having more fun than I thought we would have right now. We're we're trying. We really are. So. Yeah, I, I think the most frustrating thing was the was the fouls. And honestly, I'll say it on, on on both sides. We had three guys foul out. We had two guys, three guys with four fouls, two guys with three fouls. We allowed fifty free throws. We allowed Wake to take fifty free throws. That's a metric buttload of free throws. Do you know how many free throws that sometimes we go weeks without? collectively allowing 50 free throws. We did that in one game. I know how many. It was was 50. (laughs) 50. Is that a metric buttload? Is a metric buttload 50? I thought that – is that the English? I think metric was 54. Are we getting to weeds a little bit? It's it's a lot of free throws. That's in imperial (laughs) units. You wouldn't understand. Yeah, it's it's in Celsius. Don't worry about it. Like, come on, man. This So that is what changed the game. Hey, did you guys know, by the way, Duke, even after that game, after the Wake Forest game, Duke is 21st in the nation at opponent's free throw rate. Like, you're right, Donald. Like, what? one of the things we don't do is we don't foul and give up free throws. And well, in this it's, game... It's ooh. the quintessential Duke thing. You know, we, we had the interview with Jay, and he talked, uh, he talked about what makes a Duke team a Duke team. One of those things is we used to make more free throws than the other team attempted. And, 
you know, their games are, you know, we'll make 10, 11 free throws, but we'll allow like six attempts because we're not fouling. We're not sending them to the line. That's what happened on Tuesday night. They were earning a lot of points is from the charity stripe. 37 of 50, 37 points is a lot of points for anyone. 37 points from the free throw line is just absolutely astounding. And what it did was it changed the game. And I'm not saying that the refs were, you know, changed the game. The fact that three of our big men fouled out and we entered overtime with Matthew Hurt as our lone big man really hurt everything. Brandon Childress, I'm going to talk about him for a minute, and then I'll let Sam chime in. Brandon Childress, we had locked him down the entire game. He had one point with 30 seconds left in regulation when they took a timeout and they were down, uh, they were down five. They hit a layup. They go back down. Jordan Goldwire turns the ball over right. And then Brandon Childress comes down and hits a three. That was his first with 18 seconds left in the game. That was his first free uh, field goal of the entire game. That ties it. We send it to overtime. And then in both overtimes, because there's no big man to kind of help, but to help at the rim, he goes off. He scores 16 points in the two overtime periods. And I'm sorry, take the three out. So he had 13 points in the two overtime periods. That changed the game. He hit shots down the stretch. We couldn't take care of the basketball. And we looked lost in both overtimes. Even, I mean, Coach K even said in the first first half, we looked we looked lost too. And I agree with him until Justin Robinson came in. But that second half, we had a stretch where we were playing good defense, we were making our shots, and we built a 12-point lead. We lost that. We lost the game. So, Sam, what did you see individually? I mean, let's talk about the players. Let's talk about what happened as opposed to as a team. Uh, Tell me about, you know, different things you saw from individual Duke players that either concerned you or, I mean, is there any, I guess, other than Justin Robinson maybe playing his way into the rotation, there there isn't very much positive, was there? I. I, yeah, I, I think that that Justin Robinson and Wendell Moore acquitted themselves well in this game. Uh, Robinson, of course, being I think the highlight because he was playing key minutes key minutes at the end of the first half into the second half in the overtimes. I mean, he was he was one of the most instrumental players for Duke. Even though he only got 15 minutes, they were they were effective. He was blocking shots. He was playing pretty good defense, actually. What's concerning to me is the rest of the of the big men and the and that Robinson was out there is that Javin Delorier and Jack White brought almost nothing to this game. White only played uh, only played one minute. He basically just subbed in, and that was it. Uh, Delorier was, was ineffective in the couple of minutes that he got, and Matthew Hurt took a bunch of bad shots that you know would necessitate there being more big men on the floor. And by the way, even though we're talking about the big men who are less influential for Duke, Vernon Carey, I know it was partially about foul trouble, but Vernon Carey was really limited in this game. Wake Forest was able to kind of go after him and and prevent him from some sort of playing his game, something that better defensive teams, better big men teams than Wake Forest have not been able to do this year. So I, I think the most concerning thing about this is Vernon Carey being bottled up for a game and and other teams sort of getting the getting the tape on that. Um, he only he doesn't even play 20 minutes in this game. I, I think it's his lowest minutes output in a long time. Obviously, he fouls out, and and the, the fouls are part of it. And then looking towards the end of the game, you know, Donald's brought up Brandon Childress's really exemplary performance in the overtime. 
I think it's unfortunately in stark contrast to the way Trey Jones was playing down the stretch. He made, he made a lot of mental mistakes. He took some poor shots. He, he made poor decisions with the ball that I don't think we've seen this year. And, and I'm not sure if that's attributable to it's late. He's already played 45 minutes. It's been a grueling game. Is he, is he, upset with the rest of his team. I, I don't want to speculate on on what was happening in Trey Jones's head. The output on the floor in the second overtime uh, was really ugly for Duke. And they're going to have a hard time, I think, recovering from this. Going, we're gonna, I know we're going to get to Virginia in a few minutes here. But looking ahead to a Virginia team that looked, uh, that looked as stout as ever on defense last night against Virginia Tech, um, it's got to be a scary prospect for a Duke team who, yeah, we scored a lot of points on Tuesday night, but down the stretch, the offense was totally disjointed. And a lot of those points are, you know, on on Monday night were coming from the free throws. Um, they weren't coming from from well-manufactured offense. That's what is most troubling to me from this game. So what's tr- most troubling to me is the defense. We We can talk about the offense and the, I mean, Duke only hit 23% of our threes. Um, but to me, it's the defense that is really concerning right now. Uh, I, you know, in the pregame, um, when we were previewing this game, I said that Wake didn't have the inside presence to stay with us and they would have to bomb away from three to have a chance. Uh, and they did hit more than 50% of their three pointers, but they only took 11 of them. Um, that's because uh, Olivier Saar, who is not good. Um, And the rest of their team were able to continually get inside and get fouled or get good shots. Uh, It was unbelievable how bad our defense was. In in the final 11 minutes of the game, the final minute of the game, plus the 10 minutes of overtime, Wake Forest scored 44 points. 44 points in 11 minutes. Think about that for a second. That's, by the way, I did the math. That's 160-point pace. That's right. Duke that's gave bad. up. A, that, that's unbelievable that our defense gave up a, a, a 160 point pace for 11 minutes of basketball. Teams are able to get to the rim way too easily against this Duke team, and we're either fouling them or allowing them to hit their shot. Uh, Duke hadn't allowed uh, more than 100 points in 407 games. Guess what? That streak is over in a big, big way. If you put the ball on the floor and beat Duke to the rim, you win the game. That's what teams have figured out. I, I, and I don't know what's going on because I thought Jay Gold and Trey Jones were supposed to be two of the best ball-defending guards in the country. I, I, I can't figure out what's happened to them. What happened to the Duke team in December and January that was throttling teams on defense. I mean, do you remember like what we did to Miami and BC and some other teams in January? Our defense was, we we had, we didn't have the top ranked defense in the land, but we were like number two or number three. And if you, if you look at us now, we just keep on dropping in the advanced metrics in defense. Defense is supposed to be constant. I mean, everyone says, you can have a bad shooting night, but D always shows up. If you're good at defense, it's always there. How has it gone away for this Duke team? I can't figure it out. According to T-Rank, they, they'll, they'll, they track things over 10 days as opposed to the entire season. In the past, sorry, not 10 days, 10 games. In the past 10 games, 
Duke has been the 35th best defensive team in the country. I mean, that's not awful, but this is a team that, like I said, was top two, top three all season long, and suddenly we're barely top 40. I, I don't well, know what's not, going on. Being, being 35th in the country is is fine for competing in the ACC. That is not fine for winning a national championship. That is exactly. Not for, exactly. For going deep I, in the tournament. And, the, and the, Jason, I'm glad you brought up the, the recent trend because I think that's, you know, uh, among the concerning things is that we thought, okay, perhaps the NC State game was going to be a blip uh, on for Duke and that they would recover. Yep. They would, I, you know, I incorrectly thought after this weekend, this past weekend, that Duke would be motivated given that, um, given that Florida State put Duke in the driver's seat for the, for the ACC regular season championship on Monday night by beating Louisville. I thought, all right, this is clear motivation for, for Coach K's team to be, you know, roll right through these last few games, all of which Duke should be favored in. Uh, heavily favored against Wake on the road and NC State at home and even UNC at home and the only potentially challenging one being UVA get motivated to roll through those games and and win the regular season championship which Duke hasn't done in 10 years and I was totally wrong about that that motivational tactic Duke wasn't prepared for this game and thought I guess on Tuesday that they were going to waltz into Winston-Salem and and have it easy uh, and that they could just look ahead at, to Charlottesville. It's the second time in two weeks that we have had an opportunity to either remain in first place by ourselves or take sole possession of first place in the ACC and lost on the road to a bad team. Uh, well, and and not even and and not even in road environments where Duke has to get on an airplane and fly out and stay in a hotel yeah. and everything. Winston Salem and Raleigh are both <laughs> trips that These are simple they, bus the guys, drive. Yeah, the guys just on the bus and, and they're in the bus for like an hour, but to to get to these that, games, yeah, these are not Raleigh yeah. twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Sam, you were talking about national championships. Uh, I mean, I don't want to be doom and gloom. The Duke team that we've seen over the past few weeks is not winning a national title. Period. End of story. They are not winning a national title. In fact, I'm not sure they're making even the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, if we Need, do, that, that's our feeling. Neither was Connecticut in 2014. So, you know, anything oh, can I, happen. But. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we, have, we have definitely seen the, the, Duke team that, that, the Duke team that beat Kansas, the Duke team that won at Michigan State, the Duke team that was playing in late December, early January. That team's winning a national title, or at least, you know, uh, is one of two or three teams that can win a national title. I'm saying the Duke team right now is not. Um, we we got to figure it out. We got to find a way to to get better. It's it's very it, it's really, God, I don't know. And and really quick on the ACC race, we we were playing. You're right. We were playing for first. Uh, guys, the the most likely seed for Duke right now might be fourth, because we play at UVA. They are really really good. They are playing way better than they were earlier in the year. If we lose that game, we're in fourth place in the ACC. I mean, we literally, in the span of a couple of days, go from the most likely number one to, I think, the most likely number four. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, I'm not ready to write the obituary on our ACC prospects or our national title prospects yet because the rest of college basketball has, has decided to start losing the last couple of weeks too. And I think usually in a year we have five, six teams that are really, really good. And then we have another three to four teams that are really, really hot. 
entering March. Right now, March is in a few days. I don't know who those teams are. Maybe Kansas, and that's about it. Baylor, I mean, yeah, Baylor's been been hot, but they just lost to Kansas. And the other teams that we're talking about for one seeds and two seeds have all faltered in the last week. So I'm not ready to count us out on anything because, like Sam said, once March happens, anything can happen, especially in this year of college basketball where everyone seems to be all over the place and you don't really know who the good teams are. There's going to be – it all depends on that draw. What we're trying to do at this point is make ourselves in a position to get as favorable a draw as possible. We're just not doing it. Yeah, and I think any chance of Duke getting a number one seed is gone. I think there's no question about that. Yeah. Um, and in fact – But Duke can, Duke, can still get, Duke can still get advantageous uh, geographic positioning for the first round of the – uh, like the first weekend, you know, that yep. Duke can still go to Greensboro. Absolutely. And, yeah. and Duke can, and Duke can still end up in, I think the East is preferable, but even if they end up in Indianapolis, it's not so far for the, for the sweet 16 weekend. So we're, we're very good at Indianapolis. Like, huh? We're very good in Indianapolis. We're very yeah. good in Indianapolis. Uh, yeah. And, I, I, and I mean, like playing in New York. So there's, there are still plenty of opportunities for Duke to get, you know, take the take the seed lines away get the geographic positioning they want but as you note that that means that you're playing harder opponents etc yeah and i think it's this uva game is really important because um while i think a one seed is off the table i mean barring like kansas losing four in a row and san diego state dropping two more games you know stuff that's not going to happen well i think the one seed's off the table i think a three seed maybe we're not there yet but it's coming into play and and this team needs to figure itself out and get back to being a team that deserves a two seed. So the first step toward getting all that done is playing UVA. And we're going to have a very special preview with a special guest of that UVA game in just a moment. Hang with us. So as we mentioned, the Blue Devils have a very big game at Virginia coming up. The Cavaliers have uh, have been one of the elite teams in the ACC for the past several years now. No question about that. Um, they looked like they were down for a little while uh, earlier this season, but uh, they've been playing a lot better. And rather than having us try to guess at what has been going on with UVA, we decided to bring in a special guest. Caroline Darney is one of the... Uh, one of the administrators, hosts, I don't even know what your title is, at Streaking the Lawn, which is the SB Nation site for UVA fans out there. Uh, Caroline, so sorry, so what is your title? What, uh, how would you describe what you do for Streaking the Lawn? <laughs> uh, I'm one of the editors slash contributors for Streaking the Lawn. Um, and yeah, so I do a little bit of everything, primarily basketball, a lot of lacrosse, um, a lot of football post games. Um, so a little bit dabble here and there, but primarily basketball is my jam. So did the final four last it. year. Um, yeah, it's my thing. It's, it's my, it's my most favorite season. I grew up an ACC brat. Um, you know, both my parents went to NC state actually. And, uh, so I grew up watching ACC basketball. So it's always been my favorite. I was going to say, is Scott uh, stadium, the, where we find this lawn that you're streaking? <laughs> No, so that's actual central ground. So it's by the rotunda and the rotunda between old Cabell Hall, there's a statue of Homer 
and the rotunda. It's uh, tiered, and I don't even know how long it actually is. Maybe like half a mile, quarter of a mile. It feels longer, I think, when people are running it naked. But uh, the tradition is that you streak the lawn before you graduate, um, running from the rotunda all the way to the statue of Homer. I will not ask you if you have streaked the lawn because I think it would be inappropriate. <laughs> Let me but tell you, the I... funniest thing is the first time that I had to read or that was at an ACC tournament press conference and they have you read, say your affiliation before you ask the question. So I'm sitting there and I think it was, uh, I want to say it was like London Francis and Kyle Guy. It was like Kyle Guy's first year. And I was like, Caroline Darney, streak in the lawn, like trying to like mumble it a little bit. And the two of them like kind of laughed, like they know the whole situation, like the stories and all this stuff, but it was just hilarious. And I was like, I wish we could have picked a different name if we're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, hey, let's, let's get to the reason we have you here. We want to talk about the Cavaliers. Uh, Virginia did, uh, let's be honest, they just, they did not look good earlier this season. Uh, I mean, there was a point where they were just four and four in the ACC. And uh, I know we were talking about NCAA bids and, you know, are they are they even on the bubble or they're certainly very close to the bubble. Uh, and and since then, they've won, I believe it's eight out of nine. The only the only loss being a game at Louisville. Boy, there's certainly no shame at all in lose, losing at Louisville. And it was a very, very competitive contest. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about what's going on with this team. I, I, I think I think maybe y'all are not playing quite as great on defense, but you're playing better on offense. Is that accurate? Because you were, you were terrible on offense for a long, long time. This season. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's not so much that the defenses had any like gotten worse or anything, but the fact of it is the, the offense is starting to click a little bit. Some of it, like, you know how it always feels like everyone has their career day against you. Um, and it's one of those things where, so beginning of the season, you know, they got in, a bunch of guys had new roles, right? So you lose three players to the NBA draft, which for the way Virginia's built, that system is not prepared for the early departures. Um, obviously, you know, Bennett isn't bringing in a ton of one and dones or any of that. So trying to come up with a way to mitigate those losses and then also factoring in, you know, now you had first years like Casey Morsell transfer, Tomas Walton-Tenside coming in from junior college. And then players like Cody Statman, who were not – I don't even know if you'd call him quite a role player. He barely played at all last season. That are all in new positions and all need to be major contributors. So early on, you know, Casey Marcel was struggling with his shot. Well, everyone was struggling with his shot, if we're being honest. Um, Walton-Tenside had a wrist injury. And you've seen what he's done in the past – you know, he struggled a little bit last night against Virginia Tech, but in the past, in that win streak, he's shooting nearly 50% from three. And that changes everything because you're looking at the dynamics of the offense. Now defenses have to pay him respect on the outside, and that spreads everything out. You've got more room for Diakite to work. You've got more room for Kihei Clark to drive the lane and either take it himself or dish it out to a guy like Will Tensai or Statman. Um, so it's really, that's been the biggest thing, you know, the defense is, you know, it's fallen from number one to number four in Ken Palm. So I'm not entirely super worried about that. Um, but I think this weekend will be a good test as to where they, they've been able to hang with literally every team, every single ACC game, including their five losses. Virginia has been <laughs> this is kind of bad, actually, good or bad, depending on how you look at it. Virginia was leading 
with under four minutes left. Um, early in the season, they were like 0 for 3 in those games. Now they're 7 and 1. So it's really, or 0 for 4, and now they're 7 and 1. So being able to close out games has been the biggest thing that this team has learned, and it's just been a huge difference maker. Caroline, this year, you know, on, on this podcast, we've talked a lot about for each opponent, we talk about the head of the snake, the, the, the guy that the team should be focusing on that's going to be the center focal point of either the offense or the defense and just, or just how the team runs. Who is that for Virginia? Who is the guy that Duke fans should go, that's the guy we need to take out of the game uh, or at least disrupt so that we, we have a chance of winning? It's got to be Kihei Clark, and, and it's going to be a huge test for him. And some people are probably like, what, it's not Diakite? Or like, whatever. The, everything runs through Kihei. He's leading the ACC in minutes played. There isn't a real backup option. Uh, again, like the way things kind of shook out, Bennett was expecting to have Guy and Jerome for one more year. <laughs> so, um, you know, Casey Morcel can do it. They've had Braxton Key do it a little bit. They jokingly called him LeBron in the locker room when he was having to bring up the ball a couple games ago um, as this kind of point forward. Um, but Kihei, if Kihei's on and he's distributing cleanly, he's hitting his shots, he's, you know, kind of just directing traffic and disrupting the other team's point guard, then Virginia is going to have a much better day. Uh, he's not always the flashiest or the highest point scoring, but the way that he plays directly, I mean, he's just, he's, he is the floor general. He runs like the pulse of the team kind of goes through him. If he struggles, generally the team is going to struggle more. One of the things that's been so completely uh, unsettling, I think for Virginia fans watching this season, I think a lot of fans are a little bit, have more patience this year. Thanks to the national championship. It's amazing what that can do for you. <laughs> um, but their turnover percentage is entirely too high. Um, they're turning in over 20% of the possessions. And I don't know if you've heard, but Virginia plays a slow, a low possession game. Um, so that's, a, that number is entirely too high and letting teams capitalize off of those turnovers has been one of the reasons that Virginia struggled early. They've kind of tuned it down a little bit. There's still mistakes there. But if you, if Kihei Clark plays well and he's distributing well, then things are going to go pretty well for Virginia. Now, when you look at the fact that Trey Jones, arguably one of the best defenders in the ACC, if not the country, when it comes to guarding on ball, um, it's going to be tough. Like Trey should absolutely be trying to disrupt things, trying to jump in passing lanes. Um, I think that there could be some opportunities for Duke in that in that type of situation. Caroline, if you look ahead at this game, um, what do you think is the story if if Virginia manages to beat Duke? Uh, other than Kihei Clark having a having a good game, because it seems like that's sort of Virginia's bread and butter. What else needs to happen um, for Virginia to win on Saturday? Virginia has to shoot well. I'd say like 40% from three um, and Duke can't shoot that well from three. Uh, and I think Vernon Carey has to be limited in some fashion. I don't know what limited means. He's probably my biggest concern when I watch Duke, when I watch Duke throughout the season and I look at it through that Virginia lens, a lot of times I'm kind of like, I don't know what Virginia does with Vernon Carey because he's just so talented. Like he's so strong and he's tough and he's talented and he can do a lot of things down low. Um, offensively that will make it extremely difficult for the defense. So I will probably see a lot of, you know, big to big doubles on him. Um, and to, like obviously Tony Bennett's a phenomenal defensive coach. So he'll come up with some sort of situation. 
but it's one of those you might have to if he gets his and he scores 20 like you better hope that you limited uh the outside shooting or that Matthew Hurt didn't go off or somebody else isn't also adding 15 16 points because I think that's where you run into trouble I think that's the when I look at this matchup I I just Vernon Carey just like screams out at me from the paper (laughs) well don't worry you're not you're not the first you wouldn't be the first Duke opponent that is scared of Vernon Carey that's that's not uh, not out of the ordinary for anyone playing Duke this season although different teams have have reacted in different ways to to sort of letting him play his game or, or trying to bottle him up and let, like you said, guys like Matthew Herter or somebody else take him out. Hey, Caroline, let, let's, let's wrap it up with this. Um, give me your prediction. I mean, uh, wh- what do you think, how do you think this game turns out? Um, who, who do you think wins and, and what's the scenario behind that, that victory? These games of all, I was predictions, obviously no one likes doing predictions because then you put yourself out there. Right. Um, but I think it's if, okay. Hey, hey very... if, you, if you pick Duke, we won't tell any UVA fans. <laughs> okay, good. That's good enough. No, I and we're and one... we're terrible. We're terrible at predictions. Duke lost to Wake Forest this week, and and we all on the show were like, "Well, this is going to be a fun game to sit back and relax before we have to play UVA next weekend." So there <laughs> you go. Wrong. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. man. ACC man, I'll tell you what's nuts. Um, you. I look at this game and, and the way Virginia is playing right now, not necessarily just looking at the numbers, but they're playing much freer, much more comfortable. Um, they seem to be having more fun. Obviously winning is always more fun than losing, but even in these close games, like even last night against Virginia Tech, they never seemed rattled. They dealt with Tech coming back from, you know, down 15 at the half, like took it in stride. Kihei Clark hits the game winner. So they're get, as they're getting more and more experience and playing more loose, I like that vibe of it. I don't love Duke coming off an embarrassing loss. Those are always – I feel like Virginia always gets Duke coming off of a loss, and then they're very angry, and I don't like angry Duke. Um, so I think it'll actually stay close-ish. Um, but, I, uh, oh, man, I go back and forth. It depends on when you ask me at any given moment. You know what? Let's go. Let's have some fun. Let's say Virginia in a really, really close one. Let's have some fun. I'll I'll be allowed back into the UVA community. <laughs> <laughs> that's hey, that's not a crazy prediction. Uh, not at all. Uh, I would I would merely point out that as dominant as Virginia has been in recent years, they have not been dominant against Duke. Tony Bennett. I know. Now, he's yeah. three and eleven. He's three and eleven against Coach K. There have been plenty of those years where, uh, let's just be honest, Virginia was better than Duke. And the Blue Devils still figured out a way to win, even even at UVA. I, I I can't imagine there's anyone else in the ACC who has won even close to as much at UVA as Duke has in in recent no. years. and and what's crazy too is I remember. So I like to I like to discount everything kind of two thirteen and before. So <laughs> the first four seasons, I'm like, you know what, Bennett, we'll give you those to kind of figure things out. But I think it's like in the last nine, it's like um, six six to three Duke. Um, and it's so crazy because, like you said, like the records, like you know, Bennett has an 11 game win lead over Kay and Roy when it comes to just ACC wins in the last since 2014. Um, but there's always been, which is why, too, that Matt uh, Vernon Carey scares me. Whenever Duke comes to JPJ, some superstar first year freshman for, for y'all 
goes off. Like I've seen Jason Tatum go nuts. Oh I've yeah, seen, Tatum had a huge you know, game against you guys. Yeah, game. And it wasn't even like bad defense. It was just he was just like, well, here's good, you know. And then you look at <laughs> you look at like what not even necessarily Zion did last year, but the way that oh no wait Reddish Zion had the, the game. block. Zion yeah had he had the, the block. block that was nuts. Yeah. Cam yeah. Reddish started the game like five for five from three, and he came into the game shooting like 28%. And I was like, of course. Um, but even Tyus Jones, a couple years before that, one of the Justin Anderson teams, that one that had Justice Winslow and Tyus Jones, like they were down yeah. 10. They won yeah, a title. Yeah, they were down 10 with like, yeah, that's fair. I, that one makes me feel a little bit better. I was going to say, Tyus Jones making that shot is like one of the – major highlights from that season that we see all the time yeah so uh, it was you, a crazy you are, game. it is not it is not it is not uva centric to to think that um to think that oh this is you know th- this is just like woe is us we we remember those things too that they stand yeah. out for us <laughs> that's good i'm that makes me feel a little bit better than like at least you know i in this way so many discussions but Virginia hasn't beaten JPJ, beaten Duke at JPJ since Joe Harris dropped 36 on Duke in like 2013. So I didn't realize, and obviously it stinks. I think it stinks that they don't get to play each other every year um, because I think it's way more fun uh, to have obviously, you know, Duke, Virginia, and normally North Carolina, and then you throw in Louisville and Florida State have kind of established themselves as this as the upper tier consistently given a year or two here or there for teams to kind of figure things out. I wish that Virginia got to play Duke every year because it stinks not to get a second chance or like last year was great. Like even though both games went Duke's way, like that game at Cameron was super entertaining. And obviously the one in, in Charlottesville, I was actually kind of impressed. They kept it within 10 the way that Duke was playing, but I was a uh, real quick story for, I know you guys probably have like a timeline on these things, but I, uh, I covered the game at, Cameron in 2018 when Ty Jerome hit that big shot and I was I ended up having to sit with the Cameron crazies because of some just there wasn't enough space on press row so I worked with that idea it worked out (laughs) yeah I worked it worked out perfectly and it was such a cool experience and not just because Virginia won but being able to be among the students and like Look, there's people make jokes about like, oh, the chance have gotten lame, and you know, obviously Coach K is like, you know, the whole, you know, don't sit with us or the sit with us thing that went on this year. But the knowledgeable, like the fan, the knowledge of the fans was so entertaining and fun to sit with, and like hearing them just say like, oh, well, that was a good player, that was a great shot. And, like walking out, there was no like, oh, F Virginia. It was like, well, that was a really good game. We fought back. Uh, we'll get them next time, like that kind of thing. And it just was such a cool experience that. I just this this needs to be more of a thing that happens more often and I say that even as the person who covers the team that's you know three out of the last whatever get number games you know so I don't know I just that's my spiel I think they should play more often but hey, we, we would not if you want to it. if you want to come back and, and hype up the Cramer and crazies for us that would be great um, people <laughs> people really people really dog the Cameron crazies and I you know sometimes they're still good so I'm, yeah, I'm into that. They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Caroline, this was great. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you giving of us course. the inside scoop on UVA, um, uh, and and congrats on the team. You know, turning around what looked like it was going to be a, a struggling season. Um, I feel like they're they're really they're they're playing the right way. Um, and yeah, we don't we don't feel like we're playing the right way, but you never know. It's the ACC. <laughs> Things can change very quickly, especially when Duke comes Always to true. JPJ. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Good luck, but not too much luck.
<laughs> it's the best way to put it, I think. <laughs> So again, Caroline, that was great of her to join us. It was a, a lot of fun, and that, that was a good way to get a preview of of the Virginia game. I don't know, uh, guys. Do y'all have anything to add uh, on to what she said about UVA? I'm worried. I'm very, very worried about this Duke team being able to generate the right kind of offense. On the other hand, we've been terrible on defense lately. And if you want to get better, playing UVA is a good way to get better because they're terrible on offense. I have a prediction. Yes. Yes. My prediction is that neither team will score 100 points in this game. Oh, that is bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, otherwise, otherwise, I got no idea what's going to happen here. It, it, like, I, I, I'm, I agree with her that it's like there are, there are so many weird variables, especially with Duke this season, with different players stepping up at different times or, or stepping back, perhaps, as it were, against Wake Forest. So I got no idea which version of Duke we're going to see on, on Saturday. After the NC State loss, I was still saying, look, things are fine. Duke sometimes just loses a weird game in, in Raleigh. Like, that is not the first time that's happened even to a good Duke team. But after the game on Tuesday, not a clue. So looking forward to seeing it and uh, seeing what the Blue Devils are able to pull off. Hopefully they're able to maintain the three or even the two spot ACC after this weekend. When she was talking about us playing Virginia and it always hap happens after we lose or something bad happens on our team, that really struck me because we, we even talked about 2015 where, remember, Rashid Suleiman had got kicked off the team not 48 hours before that Tyus Stones game. So, And we were worried. And we were, and we were, we were just as worried dead. We were like, our season's over. This is it. We lost a, a guy that contributes a, a great ton. And all of a sudden, it was, you know, Ty Stone's era happened. So anything can happen on Saturday. I, I'm not going to make any predictions because I just don't want to. Because I don't feel like I need to be wrong again this week. So there's that. Does, <laughs> Jeff, and Delorier's, does Jeff Delorier's disappearing act count as the – uh, as the motivator, like Rashid Suleiman leaving the team or Gerald leaving to motivate the 2010 team? Like, does this work the same way or no? We'll, we'll find out Saturday, I guess. I hope it does. <laughs> that means we're going to win. <laughs> uh, the only thing, right. I feel, only thing I feel certain about with this Duke team is to say that I have no idea, and anyone who tells you they have any idea is lying to you, what kind of team we will see. I mean, literally. It was in funny. The, in the span of a week. I, I was going to say. Yeah, go ahead. No, uh, uh, just that we we asked Jay Billis we asked Jay Billis about this the other day. Um, in case you didn't hear, we interviewed Jay Billis earlier this week. Go listen we asked to the Jay, Jay Billis Park. about yeah yeah. Go listen to that. Much more fun than this. We asked Jay Billis about how you can you know when when does the team start to coalesce and and all that. And he said it's always a work in progress. Like it's more of a work in progress than than you think it is. Looking from the outside to know like all right, these are the guys who play it this many minutes. Here's who plays together. Here's who's down the stretch at the beginning of halves, whatever. Um, it, it is more in flux than than fans and media give it credit for. And I think we're really seeing that, especially this season. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th that that that's it, baby. I mean, we just have – we got no idea what's going to happen. Duke looked like ass against NC State. We then beat the Whoa. doors off of Virginia Tech. Then we looked like ass again. I mean, come on. There's so we go win. Yeah. Maybe. So Duke will win. Yes. Does that mean Duke's going to lose to NC State again next week? 
No, I'm coming down. I, no, no, we oh, can't please happen. Please, no. <laughs> Not allowed. Uh, this is just, this is stressful. I want us to just play consistently, please. Anyway, that's going to do Sorry. it here for episode. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all got anything else? Nah. What the hell? No. We're, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're signing off. Getting done with this baby. So this was episode 195 of the Duke Basketball Report bot podcast. Podcast, podcast, whatever the hell we are. Um, yeah, we don't know what we are any more than the Duke Blue Devils know what they are right now. But um, we're going to be playing UVA over the weekend. And we'll be back uh, to, to give you a full recap of that game and look ahead to much more still to come. Um, the season ain't over, people. We just don't know where the hell it's going. <laughs> I am so, Jason Evans. So grab it. So grab it. So so strap your seatbelts and yeah. hold on. This ride's there gonna be go. fun. There you go. I am Jason Evans. Thank you, Donald Wine and Samuel Klein, for joining me. DBR podcast episode 195 in the books. Duke Band, take us home. Take us home.